The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hutchill. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall with turn four. Round one for Sheldon Hutchill. Quick time! Off turn four. Quick time! Ten, zero, three, zero. Second lap time for David is quick time! 15 0 2 2. Lap number one for Kyle Larson. Quick time! It's a 10 1 45. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. We are back here in the race cave. Josh Harris with us once again, as always, and Brad Brown's in the house as well. Uh, guys, uh, we all made it out to a race this past week. Uh, I-80 Speedway hosted the World Outlaws on Friday night, and it was a cold motherfucker out there. It was cold, cold. It was so cold, you put like six layers on, you're still cold. It was so cold, I bought a $30 Donnie Shots hoodie for my daughter, and she never even wore it. <laughs> yeah, and then he tries to sell it to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she's never going to wear this Donnie Shot hoodie, but... My brother went and got uh, two $25 stocking caps from uh, Macedo for him and his uh, stepdaughter, and yeah, he couldn't believe he spent $25 on a stocking cap, but uh, man, that was a hot item. Everybody was looking for something warm to, to put on. You see more and more people walking up the stands, and they got some sort of racer that is at the track stuff on their head or a, a jacket or something. I've done that before. I've bought in shirts because one time at Eagle in the middle of summer, it was so dang cold that I, um, my daughter and I both went up front and got a got a sweatshirt. It was so and that's cold. why you're wearing that same Swindell shirt right now, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was that same race. Wait. Joe, Joe Orth gave me this bad boy. Oh, Brandon's buddy, gifts, <laughs> giving gifts, giving gifts. So uh, Josh finally made it out to a race. I did finally in the first time in 17 plus years you made it out to a racetrack. It's not that long. I did I did have one of my friends reach out to me. I did go to a midget race two years ago. That was my last race. But but no, I had a blast out of I-80 Friday night. I got to sit next to Brandon and Jordan. Brad didn't want to sit with us, I guess. He's too good. He's, He's too, too good for I us. Mean, it has nothing to do with I even my, say, bro- <laughs> my brother came to town. and I, I even I, saved I, a whole row of seats for us. There was did. room for your brother, too. <laughs> he. I mean, we thought, I mean, maybe Brad was in the suites, and we just didn't know it, you no. know. Yeah, I tried getting Dan Taylor to open up a suite for us. There's one empty one on the on the far end. I'm like, Dan, it is colder than shit out here. I'm too old for this. Open up the suite. He's like, uh, at least it would kill me. I go, you got two nights working here left. Uh, what are you going to do? She going to fire you? Track's closing, bud. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't do it, though. The funny thing was is Brandon had some fun people sitting behind him. I didn't even, listen, I didn't even hear him, but I heard, I heard they said some pretty good stuff about some pretty Just good drivers. Idiots. Race fans are idiots. <laughs> drunk, can. drunk race fans are idiots. They can, they can be. Yeah, I did hear of someone sitting by me that when Ryan Timms or oh, some, that was them. somebody you know pull over and they're like, Jesus Christ, they don't even have a starter on. This is going to take forever. They always need to be pushed. And I'm like, Yep, that was them. Just because they don't have a starter, complaining doesn't, doesn't mean. But they go every week. They go to races every week, and they don't know what Dan Sprint car is. <laughs> Huge Casey Kane fans. That's what they were. <laughs> they're like oh man Casey Kane he's gonna win this thing I go he's starting 14th there's no shot in hell Casey he's gonna Kane win this thing Casey won a race in like nothing against years. Casey but if you looked at the racetrack it was hammered down you yeah. had to go you had to start up front yeah I do have a question Brad talks every week not every week but every time we bring up I-80 Speedway about how great the track oh is. it was great it was great it was a great track but what's with reworking the track 
every uh, they, five races. Well, they, Josh has not been to a race long, in a long time. This. That's what they do at the racetracks now is they rework the racetrack. Whenever they can get on there, they rework the racetrack. They, much, and though? especially this one, they, they were watering the track uh, right up to the last minute, well, and they've it, got it too wet. Yeah. Because it was windy as shit yeah, out there. It just got too wet, and, and it wasn't widening out, and so they had to work the track so they could have – otherwise, it was going to be a one-lane track. And they, they worked it and worked it, and finally they got it to widen out towards the end. But it, it was, they usually don't work it that much. There's not normally they, two hot lap sessions yeah. for, for the, the, for everybody. Right. I mean, and those hot lap, the first hot lap session was like 10 laps. And then the second one, when it started to get a little fast, it was like three laps. But yeah, they were, they were trying to clean, um, buzz off the, the mud and, and widen the track. And it just, it just got way too wet. And I, mean, I there wasn't enough, uh, it was not evaporating. This temperatures weren't hot enough to where it was drying out. And so they just, they had to work the track all the time. And it, and unfortunately it made us stay there until what, 1130, 12 o'clock at night. It wasn't that bad. It was a later night. So yeah, I, I, they, they just, uh, I don't know why they miscalculated, but they put a lot of, a lot of water on it and didn't need it. Well, I mean, it was fast because how close were they? Brandon kept saying, Asking me like, hey, I think they're gonna beat the record. They I were mean, they were damn close. They were really close. Like they were like point. they were like a tenth off yeah. of the track yeah, record. Because you hear the crowd just erupt when you know someone got close to it, and it was and like, like a quick time. Did, <laughs> did you guys see in hot laps though? Uh, you know, they keep insisting that the track is not sold yet. Mm-hmm. But did you guys notice that uh, during hot laps, a semi with a flatbed with a camper on the flatbed? There's bed a lot of campers out, out there, there in the back uh, end right the, now. Right. And they added another one because that, that semi another pulled one. back there with a, with a camper on it. And then a boom truck came behind it. They were back there for about a half hour. And then they both left and there was no camper on that. So so Carport added another camper in the back stretch there while we were at the races. So tell me the the, the track is hey, not hey, sold hey. yet. Maybe uh Copart is not buying the racetrack. Maybe Joe's buying Copart. <laughs> Whoa. There you go. Conspiracy. Hey, let's just start another conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theory about that racetrack. Maybe he's gonna start selling campers, you know, out of the back stretch. They're uh, they're total <laughs> campers, so you can't even use them. So I yeah, did think but, it's interesting though to see all those campers back there. What if the car flips out of three and hit and lands on them. And then lands on a camper. So those campers are just trash. No, no different than that car down in Oklahoma flipping out and landing in the pond. In the pond. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. True. That'd be a bad flip if they <laughs> went that far to get one of those campers, <laughs> but, uh, uh, crazier things. Spencer Basin tried it. Yeah. Yeah. My Boy, son was he, pretty he destroyed, upset He that. destroyed that car. Yeah, your Austin was a little <laughs> little upset so about that. He tried to did, he tried to destroy it a couple laps before that coming out mm-hmm. of two, but he accomplished it going into three that time. You know that was the emotions of the races with my poor, son. Your poor kid. My son, it, it, me and him had a bet that he got if if he won more races in our picking that we do for each race, I I would give him an eight dollar thing of V bucks for Fortnite. He goes, Dad, I want more than that. I go. All right, if you clean sweep me, you win every race. I'll give you the $20 one. All right, deal. Well, that's son of a gun. He he won the first four races. Him and Brandon picked the same guy. Yeah, I, I was telling which ones to pick, and I was picking right. That was nuts. So then Brandon leaves. He goes down. Him and Jordan go down to play. Modifieds come out. Yeah, and uh, go ahead. So Modifieds come out. First first heat we didn't we didn't get because I wasn't paying attention that the race was starting because they're not very loud. But So then... The second heat starts, and 
my son, I was like, all right, pick your, pick your car. So he picks the guy in the front row and I'm like, all right. So I picked the white car in the second row. I'm like, all right, I want the white and pink one. And Matt <laughs> his, Andrews, his car ends up finishing seventh and mine, uh, wins the heat race. And he was just in tears because he knew, you know, the $20 things out of the line, you and, know, and, out of it. And now if I was there, I would have told Austin that, you know, those modifies don't count. You only pick a sprint cars. We pick real race cars out Absolutely. here. So that was the thing. So I told him, I, you know, I was trying to get him, you know, cheering back up like, Hey, this is a fun time. And he, I go, all right, we won't count the modifieds because it's luck God of the draw. Damn right. We won't count the modifieds. And so he's like, all right, let's do that. So then the B feature, he ends up losing anyways. So we get to the A main. He's a huge Spencer Basin fan, all because of the video game. That's who he plays as. And he's all excited to watch him. He's rooting him. Spencer Basin Rex. And he just, his face in face drops to his, you know, drops down. He's crying and is upset. And Brandon looks over at me like, what's wrong with Austin? And I'm like, I'm like, he's okay. Spencer's okay. Don't worry about it, bud. And I was like, he ain't worried about if he's okay. He's more mad that he wrecked. And it sure enough, I go, you'd mad that he wrecked. And he goes, yes, but he got to go down, meet him, you know, shook his hand. And he even told me, he goes, he goes, you're my favorite race car driver. <laughs> and I was just, I was blown away and he took pictures with Baston and David Graveler. He called the two car. So I asked him, I go, Hey, you want to go take a picture with Sheldon, which is my guy that I like. No, I ain't taking a no, picture with him. Guy. He goes, you can go take a picture with him then dad. And I'm like, no, I'm a little too old to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise he, he couldn't wait to go back. He kept telling me that Harris decal should buy the racetrack. He goes, I'm going to tell uncle Nate to go buy it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Good yeah. luck need, with that one. Yeah, you need a couple couple million for that. So that's cool that he has a uh, um, that he has a he has a big fan in uh, Spencer. That's a I really like Spencer too, and I, I like that five car. That, that five car is pretty cool. But uh, um, yeah, he had a rough night there at uh, I80 Speedway. That's for sure. Yeah, he did. Um, glad to see he walked away from it all right. Um, David Gravel picked up the win out there the last win ever at i80 speedway for the uh nos energy drink world outlaws um it's also his first win as a dad too that's pretty undefe- cool. well i can't Unde- say that now no not undefeated now what what do you guys think of the pre-race b feature crash that was nuts what the hell what the hell i, I mean i don't get I'm it i'm surprised it doesn't happen more often honestly yeah they- tony ross said that you're you'd be surprised how many close calls he's had over the years you gotta drive uh, uh, past your front bumper yeah. yeah i mean he there's no reason that he crowded Matt Jewell that much going into one. I mean, that car was checking up in front of Matt. You see the onboard video of yeah, it? Yeah, I did. And mm. But I, I don't understand what uh, what uh, 35, what's his name? Um, Hampton, Zach Hampton was thinking. I did. And it cost them both. They both had yeah, to go he, into the pits because Jewell had to repair the whole front end and he didn't have time. And then, of course, Hampton had uh, damage to the both wings. But... You're doing the buzz laps. I kind of like the buzz laps. I think it just, I mean, it just gets the excitement going for that that race. But um, yeah, there's sometimes you just, there's some, apparently there's a lot of close calls and you got to be more careful for a buzz lap. But I I was just dumbfounded when I saw them them flipping into it. It was an odd flip too. It was weird. It's just, I kind of look over and there's a car out there. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. But it is what it is. And so, uh, but the feature went uh, went, went uh, was a pretty decent one. It wasn't the great one, but it was a pretty decent one. I thought it was. I mean, I thought it was a fun, fast race. I mean, and Sheldon was coming. I mean, I think in all honesty, if there was a caution, I think Sheldon would have made it a bigger challenge. I think because he was catching him. 
uh, you know, like point some seconds yeah. every lap. So he was coming after him. But one of the best things of the night was I got my last pork tenderloin, man. It was I, oh, they delicious. sold out of tenderloins Did they out really? there. Yeah, Did they I, really? I was getting ready to go down after the beef. So beef feature rolls off. I'm done. I'm like, all right, modifieds are coming on. I want to go get another one. Well, somebody came back up, up the stairs. We're like, oh, they're all out of the tender lines. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> Did you guys see the food lines? Oh, I was in the food line. Unbelievable. You know, I walked uh, down to the T-shirt area, and I come back, and I noticed there was nobody in the alcohol line, but both food lines were unbelievably long. They, yeah. It's, yeah. it's too bad they didn't have that part figured out. I'm surprised there was not a lot of bashing on social media about that. But, man, the, the, the money they I had mean, to make on those on the food alone food was good. I mean, they only have two stands, so, I mean, it yeah. kind of is what it is. I yeah. mean, if there's a long line, there's a long line. It's yeah. not like they can open up another stand that's not open. Well, and people make it harder than they need to. I mean, you know you're going to be buying this food. Have your cash out ready. So many times I see people put their food out there. They run up the cash register and say $39. Then they start searching their pocket for their money. It's like, have your money out and save some time. You, you mentioned uh, the have your cash ready. So we're standing in line and we were standing in line for probably 15, 20 minutes. Not that big of a deal. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, the guy gets up to me, gets uh, in front of me, gets up to the door and he sees the cash only sign. He's like, fuck. So he's like, is there an ATM? I'm like right over there. So he runs over there, and I'm like, I'm not moving. You're gonna have, you're gonna get your spot back. I want to let you get your spot oh, back. Okay, you're like, nope. But he, so he started walking back to the line. So I yelled, at him, like, you know, get back over here. And I said, you don't need to stand in this line again. I go, what are these guys? People? Did anybody do? say anything? No, no, no. And if they did, I would tell them to go fuck off. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I had the I had the tenderloin. It was delicious. I mean, delicious. Um, I did. So the nice thing about those the food out there is it's all tinfoil wrapped. So mm-hmm. I was like. Like Brandon said, my son got two hot dogs. He didn't eat one of them, so we just kept it and brought it home. He warmed it up the next day, and I did the same with the tenderloin. I only ate like half of it, wow. and I had it the next day, and I was like, damn, it's still good. Like, I never had one. I couldn't tell you, you know, what's all in it, but <laughs> pork, 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 pork tenderloin. <laughs> but what it, it, is. it is good. I mean, I I give it a 10. Like, it is tan. awesome. It was, it was give amazing. Give it a 10. So. But it was a good night all in all, and... Uh, so did anybody get dirt besides uh, me? I did. Did, I did you? And my wife shook her head, and, and as I was um, coming back up from scooping the dirt, a, a lady walked by and smiled and just shook her head at me like, like I can't believe you're doing that. But I got a whole cup of it, and it's sitting on my... I did not uh, even make it down to the pits. Jordan was freezing her ass off. And she wanted to go home before the before we Oh, yeah, she was trial. sleeping during the AMA, and she was acting like she was sleeping. She's like, Dad, I want to go home. I'm like, well, we're not fucking going home. <laughs> I spent 40 bucks through this. You're going you're gonna to yeah. say no. <laughs> no, I, I just we skipped everything. We after the races, we went down there. I just just got in close far enough to get some dirt and left, and uh, we weren't going to stick around. It was just it was it was way too damn cold to to go talk to some people. Well, and that was the other thing is I wanted something. You know, they had like I didn't really get a cup. Usually, I'll take a cup from a race like this, but I kept seeing people with the beer buckets. You could have got a cup to yeah, go down to the sweet shack, got a root beer float. In a commemorative I-80 in Nebraska Cut. Raceway Park. So I Cup of popcorn for a dollar. There you go. <laughs> I, yeah, I should have done that. Um, but no, I, I do what me and, wife, me and my wife joke about is that you just wait till the end of the race and then everyone's leaving and they usually leave the buckets. So I just grabbed one. You know, I was like, I'll just clean this out when I get home. But the nice thing about it is that's where I put my dirt. I just dropped it in the bucket. Yeah. And my son, you know, he's like, make sure mom doesn't wash that. And sure enough, like, Next morning, I'm like, please don't wash this because it has dirt. And then she's like, why? Just throw it out on the grass. And I'm like, 
It was oh, a raceway dirt. Raceway dirt. <laughs> but other no, than that, I've, yeah. I got about 15 of those buckets because you, you never have too many buckets. The metal buckets are never, the best ones. I do have one of those. Do they too. give those away though? Yeah. yeah. Really? Like three extra dollars, you can yeah, get a metal bucket. Yeah. You got to buy it, but yeah. The metal buckets are nice. Yeah. Dang it, I should have looked and see if anybody left one of those. No, you're not going to leave those behind. <laughs> Actually, that's how I got mine once. Is it? Really? Left behind. Oh. Yeah. Damn. But it's rare. It was just a, they probably had too many Miller lights and they just left it there. And there was tons it. of buckets. They were yeah. piled up. I was like, holy cow. I almost bought a bucket, but then I was like, it's cold and I don't want a cold beer right now. But Brandon didn't even wear gloves. He was all like Hell no. hockey, hockey guy over here. He's like, this ain't cold. I had like three coats on. If it wasn't for the if it gloves. wasn't for the wind, it'd be perfect. Yeah. The, I, and then look how nice the next night was. The next yeah. night was just beautiful out here. But anyway, enough of that. Oh, and you <laughs> you owe you owe idea an apology, by the way, Brad. What was that? Uh Corsair Classic was not 123 cars. Uh, yeah, it was more. <laughs> it was a lot more. <laughs> like yeah. 323. 323. Yeah. I'm glad I missed it. Just a little bit. You know, a third. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's take a quick break here, and we will come back, and we'll talk with uh, some. Uh, I guess uh, we got quick time awards. We're gonna bring back. Yep. Yep. Brad says bring them back. I got one. All right. We'll be right back, guys. It's the last chance to catch local spread car action at the I eighty Speedway Saturday, October first. It's the final Midwest Fall Brawl presented by Casey's, featuring Malvern Banks three sixty sprint cars, Race Saber sprint cars, Super Late models, and Mod Lights. Adult tickets are just twenty dollars. Five dollars for ages six to twelve. Five and under get in free. Grandstand gates open at four thirty. Racing starts at six. October 1st, it's the final Midwest Fall Brawl. Brought to you by Casey's at the I-80 Speedway. Dirt Empire Magazine is the ultimate dirt track racing only magazine in the world. Featuring interviews, opinions, event photos, tech, and 100% racing action. Each issue includes late models, modified sprint cars, and more. Big event photos from the best photographers in the sport. And great one-on-one interviews with the top drivers as well as grassroots racers. Pick up a copy of Dirt Empire Magazine today at select tractor supply stores or other area retailers. Or get your subscription today at DirtEmpireMagazine.com. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. This time I'm talking laptop screen replacement. We've all made the mistake of dropping our laptop. Maybe one of our animals stepped on it. Maybe we set something heavy on top of it and we just didn't realize it was too heavy. And you go to turn that laptop screen on, there's a giant crack across it. That doesn't mean your laptop is completely worthless. In just a couple of days of turnaround, I can easily get your laptop screen replaced. And usually it's for a pretty reasonable price. Don't think your laptop is completely wasted just because you have a broken screen on it. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641, or shoot me an email, tailoredcomputersandrepair at gmail.com. I'd be glad to give you an estimate on how much it's going to cost to replace your laptop screen. Welcome back to Quick Time, the podcast. Uh, you guys can forget about that first ad I played because there is no longer a sprint car race at IED Speedway. <laughs> I need to update that little ad break there, right there. Uh, it's just for history. Yeah, just for a little bit of history right there. Um, let's, quick Time Awards, you want to do those? Brad can start. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll do my Quick Time Award. Uh, goes to Kaylee Bryson. <clears throat> she, ran a silver, she ran a Silver Crown race at... Uh, uh, what was it, Springfield Mile? And she led 72 laps in that 77 thing. laps, 77? 
Uh, I think 70, 72, yeah. 77, something like that. She first, ran a lot. Of, she won. A, uh, led a lot of laps. First uh, female driver to uh, lead laps in a silver yeah. car race. Yeah. And this was, uh, she's only had a, a couple uh, attempts at a Silver Crown ride. and She's been ran out a couple times. She was, she put on a hell of a battle with, uh, um, I forget who it was that was battling her, but man, they were side by side and, and she was running the high groove and he was running the low groove and man, they put on a pretty good show and uh, she led 70 plus laps. Uh, she faded to fifth at the end, but man, what, I, I, you got a props to her, man. She put on a hell of a show for for not having much experience in those Silver Crown cars. So uh, I'm giving props to Keely Bryson for uh, for put her efforts in the Silver Crown car at uh, at Illinois. Yeah, she's uh, definitely a great driver. Um, I've been saying it for years that she's going to be one of the most successful female. Uh, drivers out there at USAC. So I, if I, I could talk, I wish I could talk right now. I, I'm, I just can't talk. I'm, I'm starting to believe you. I, I always thought Morgan Turpin, and I don't know what her married name is anymore, but Morgan Turpin was the best female driver out there because she could win uh, 360 races about anywhere. But uh, um, but this Kaylee's really starting to impress me, and she's she's running in several different style of cars too, not just a, not just a little midget from Keith Coons, but, uh, so she, yeah, she's, uh, she's really developing well into us and into a really good sprint car midget driver. So I'm, I'm going to let Josh look up his quick time award here, uh, for a little bit. Um, I'm going with J Mac, James McFadden doing the shoey in victory lane out there in Lakeside to introduce you guys to what a shoey is. Yeah. We yeah. do the booties uh, and, uh, the booties <laughs> and, uh, and hockey where you, you know, you take your hockey skate off, you dump the beer in there and, probably just as gross that's just gross <laughs> but uh see uh jay mac finally get a finally get a win this year in that roth 83 car uh he probably secured his job for until at least the end at of least the year. till the end of the year he's been so close so many times he just has not finished the job and and so it was good to see him get that win at lakeside would you say he's the best australian we have over here right now right now out of the ones that are racing sprints uh you got ian probably. you got carrie so i mean those yeah, are probably yeah, there's not very many over here. Lachlan, right Lachlan McCuby, he went back. Yeah, when he yeah. Got, comes Brooke over, Tadno. pretty um, Yeah, he's right now. He's he's the best because I mean, doesn't really have the competition. Kerry Madsen got fired from Roth, so uh, he's not in that car anymore. Yeah, my, who did Roth pick up in the to replace the Mister Madsen? Tim yeah. Gating. Uh, apparently, uh, time heals all wounds. No so, shit. So uh, I, I liked him. Tim's a Tim's a good dude, but. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was out there, but there was some rumor speculations on why he was released from the Roth car yeah. way back when, and it's good to see that uh, that uh, bridge was not completely burned. I think they were facts, but uh, yeah, um, but yeah, uh, time heals all. And Tim's a fun, great guy to to, to watch, exciting guy, I should say. Yeah, I should go go so, back and listen to when he, yeah. we had him on the show. It was a good interview. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty exciting. So um, I didn't see if he's going to be in the Roth car for the the Tulare. Uh, or the trophy cup. Trophy I, cup. I don't know, but I thought it was cool that, you know, uh, you had the Roth classic down there this yeah. weekend on Saturday night. And then the Roth car wins the, the outlaw feature in Lakeside. Yeah. That's yeah. always a plus. Yeah. That was cool. I mean, Roth is dedicated his life to sprint car racing as far as fielding two cars every year. And usually one's on the outlaw tour and the other the 83 juniors around, uh, around California, uh, man, the money, the, the millions that he has spent on sprint car racing is, I, I wouldn't even begin to guess how much money he spent, but he just clearly loves the sport. A lot more and, than he's making, that's for damn yeah, sure. Yeah. He just clearly loves the sport. And so uh, to field, well, last week was three cars. He had two in California and then on, uh, one on the Outlaw Tour. So uh, props to Roth. Uh, it's a, 
that's awesome that he's he loves it that much that he's dedicating so much f- money to the to the sport. Well, it probably helps having Kading on the West Coast. I mean, not a far move for him to go race out there. But yeah, so my quick time award, I figured it out. The segue was awesome. Yeah, you like that. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with Frank Delusia racing, getting their win, uh, down at, uh, Meeker, Oklahoma with Dylan Codis. You, you, I suck you, at you pick quick, out an award. award. You don't even know what it <laughs> you is. You don't even know the guy's <laughs> name. <laughs> Nobody knows what you're even talking about on this podcast. So he, he won the, the now 600 or the Lucas oil national open wheel 6,000 series, 600 event. series, not 6,000. Dang it. I'm struggling over here. <laughs> he said, I can't talk. Holy crap. Bob. Never mind. We can delete this, can we? No, no. Any chance I get to make Josh look like an idiot? I mean, it happens every day, but I take advantage of it as much as I can. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, but, I, I mean, for Frank getting the win, that's pretty awesome to see. Frank didn't, uh, as a car owner, he as got a car, as a car owner. owner, he got the win. Yeah. I don't even, does he still race himself? Yes. So, mm-hmm. speaking of Frank, did uh, Jake Bubak get a um, micro ride with uh, FGR? No. No. no, he's too busy. Too busy. Too yep. busy. Too busy. But Frank is down at the Give Back Classic this weekend. He texted me today, and on one of the topics I was wanting to talk about tonight or even next week. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, we we talked about I eighty Speedway selling. You know, uh, I just come across two more tracks that are uh, up for sale, and and we're probably going to lose them. It was announced today that. Uh, for two point four million dollars, you can buy uh, um, Belclair. Belclair in Illinois. Um, they haven't raced in a they while. Have they, a, they, they haven't raced in like two years. Yeah, since they COVID. haven't raced since nineteen. Uh, COVID, COVID shut them down, and so that's for sale. And then uh, Irwindale Speedway in California has been sold, and so that's probably going to be a factory um, project, industrial project. Devil's here, so. Bowl supposedly isn't sold yet. Yeah. They're going to race next year. Yeah, supposedly I eighty isn't either. Yeah. Yeah. So two point four, you can buy Belclair, or you can take your money and come local and uh, for an even two million dollars buy Junction Motor Speedway. Yeah, you can go to McCool Junction and buy that racetrack for would you say seventy eight acres for two million dollars? Yep, that's a lot of so, acres. A lot of racetracks for sale and being sold and going down. So. Uh, support your local racetrack uh, if you have an opportunity. All right, what else you got, boys? Uh, so, Josh, we, uh, well, before we go, before we go, we got a guest. We do on. have a guest, and and I've I've booked the guest. I get to introduce the guest. I guess that sounded like a rhyme. I guess the guest. Uh, his name is Dustin Jarrett. He is the manager of Flow Racing. With all the controversy kind of going around, you know, a couple weeks ago about how you know track owners are you know, not really dogging flow and dirt vision, just complaining about how it no, affects their flow and dirt vision. Right. Yeah. Just how it affects their, their gate. Cause they can't you know. do their job and promote a damn race. <laughs> Everybody thinks that flow <laughs> and dirt vision is making billions of dollars. I don't know how they are. I don't think they yeah. are, but so it'd be nice to kind of ask him. I mean, if he, they are, guess what I'm doing next year. I'm starting my own streaming service. Well, I, I was with, uh, um, who was it that revealed that Dirt Vision gives them bonus money to every outlaw team, every every race? Was that last week with... Uh, we talked about yeah, Brad Sweet. We, we talked that. with Brad Sweet. a little bit about yeah. it. Yeah, that was I did not know that. And that was a surprise. So, yeah, at least Dirt Vision is given back to the drivers. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so he says we have full go to ask him whatever you want. I mean, he, he was pretty open about anything I could ask him when I was just trying to get any background information on flow. And kind of how a you know race works, 
he was very, I mean, he, he was right up front. He told me everything I wanted to know. I mean, it seems like a really nice guy to talk to. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see, uh, see, see the, uh, behind the scenes, uh, flow racing a little bit as, uh, as you see all the articles on that, you know, of the streaming services, not going back to tracks, uh, whatnot. So, well, you know, you, you know, that the tracks are making money from, they don't the, have the, to sign that contract. That's yeah, the whole thing. It's like, like why? Well, because the reason I'm saying that is because for the longest time, Terry McCarl was adamant that he is not going to have a streaming service for his front row challenge. Well, all of a sudden, he is having a streaming service for the front row challenge. So you can't tell I, me I that. I think his uh, little promotion race that he did during COVID over that part, Jefferson kind of opened his eyes and changed his yeah. uh, well, changed his opinion on that a little bit. It's clear that they're getting money from those the streaming services and, and enough to make a difference. And so, um, yeah, the, the the fans that are uneducated, they they just think that flows pocket and all the money in the trucks are getting nothing. Just like just like the tire money, the the tire money, the, the Hoosier is paying each track money to, to to run their tires. And now whether whether the track gives it back to the drivers or not, that's that's the tracks issue. That's not yeah, Hoosier's issue. Yeah, I mean it's all up to them and what they want to, and what the owner of the track wants to give to the races or to help pay for things. I mean, it's it. I think Brandon was telling me at lunch today that someone told him that you know the sprint car race out at Eagle, the back gate actually pays for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, pays for their purse. That's just their purse. That's not including all the other classes that run out there. Yeah. I mean that shows you, you know, and I don't know what Roger gets from his streaming thing, but. His streaming thing costs more, I think, than Flow if you want to get it a weekly subscription to it because it's it's not cheap. And to me, you would think he gets some part of that money. You know, something goes back to the track. Yeah, I can I about bet it he gets something from it. He's not going to allow it if it doesn't profit him a little bit. Yeah. And I don't, don't blame him either. I mean, nope. he, he's in the business to make money, and so... Uh, but it'll be interesting. I'm surely he can, uh, whoever our guest is, <laughs> he can. Uh, Dustin Jarrett. Dustin will shed some light on. Maybe he can't be specific, but uh, he can say um, track A gets ten, gives ten percent back to the drivers. Track B gets fifteen, or whatever it is, and, and we can we can ask him some questions and. Shed he made some it light sound like it. in an email when I was talking to him that he gives the money to the series or to the track. And then the track decides what it wants to yeah. do with the money. So it's yeah. nothing to do with, here's the money you need to give A, B, and C, these guys this amount of money. I think it's more of, it's to the owner's discretion on what he wants to spend it on. Yeah, but yet the flow and division gets bashed for it. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So I have the big topic. Do you want me to, do we want to talk about the cost of racing? No, because we got 10 minutes, so we got to get Dang dust it. on. <laughs> so... It costs a lot. You don't make a lot. Well, and yeah, do we really know enough about the cost to to have a good? So discussion? surprisingly, the oh, I guess we're doing one. it now. No, yeah, I no, guess we, we are. won't go about it then. Just so. go. We had ten minutes. <laughs> All right, roll. All right. So the question I posed to lots of different drivers was just kind of going back to you know what it costs you. You put the car in the trailer, head to the racetrack. What is your amount of money that you spend? Spend a $1,000 um, just to If nothing goes door. wrong. If, if nothing, nothing goes, goes wrong, wrong, right. You're just paying your hauler bill. You know, you're paying your gas bill, your diesel to get out there, your fuel, your tires, pit passes for your crew. What does it cost? Um, one of the ones that I thought was pretty cut and dry was Mark Birch with Mark Birch Motorsports. You know, because he runs 410, 360s, and midgets. He broke it down. If you take out the distance and travel, 
meaning where you're traveling to, four tens, he spends $1,500 a night. Three sixty thousand dollars a night. The midget seven hundred fifty dollars a night. And I'm going to believe Mark Birch because he's a uh, he's a numbers guy, and so he knows what he's spending uh, on each each. I, I I believe that. I forget who it was, but some driver said that they, it cost him four thousand dollars a night to open up the trailer, and and I have a hard time believing it's that expensive. But uh, if it was four thousand. There, was, there wouldn't be very many people that could actually do that. So, I mean, maybe um, if you're an outlaw guy, it might, it might cost that just because of the amount of travel that you have on, on your hauler. Yeah. I, well, I mean, your gas alone is not going to be cheap. I yeah. mean, it's it's just not feasible, I mean, spending I guess. diesel to drive to Knoxville from Lincoln is way different than driving out to Eagle or I-80. So, yeah, that I mean, that would add a whole whole bunch more to yeah, their your distance travel. I mean, but I mean, if you're looking at, you're looking at like a, a local guy, say uh, you're running a 305 at Eagle race where you live in Lincoln, Nebraska, mm-hmm. you're probably spending anywhere from five to $700 to get out to the racetrack and run that night. You got your fuel to get out there. You got your tires. Um, hopefully you don't burn off your tires so you can run those tires again in the heat race next week. Um, you got to get your guys in the pits, feed yep. you guys. Mm-hmm. You got your motor maintenance, all this sort of stuff. You're spending money. Five to seven hundred bucks, and you're racing for seven hundred dollars to win. Yes. So these guys are not making money. How how many teams locally pay for pit passes for everybody? I would guess that most crew members pay. Most of your, I'm going to guess most of your crew members will probably pay for themselves. But that's an expense as a team that you know. Granted, it comes out of there was Joe's pocket instead of the uh, the race fund pocket. You're still paying that money. There was a lot of teams that got back to me that said that they do pay for their crew to get in. I mean, to me that that. That's helps you keep your crew. You know what I mean? If you're making some guy come pay to come for what you're doing, um, I pay mean, $30 to get in the piss to bust her ass and scrape mud all night. Right. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, or get not really blamed if something goes wrong, but it seemed like the three Oh five guys that I asked, it was all kind of a range between the low range, $500 a night to $1,200 a night. That's not barring you wreck, but that's mm-hmm. your fuel bill to get to the track, your guys to get in food. If you're going to supply food, uh, tires. How much beer you're going to drink at the end? I, of the would, night? I would guess five would be on the really extremely low side. I, yeah, I believe five is yeah. real low. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, you, you have to buy one tire is 290 yeah, bucks. Yeah, you buy one, one tire and it's 300 bucks. Yeah. So there's, there's, that eats up a lot of it. Yeah, and it was Stu, Stu Snyder said 500 to 700. And Grossenbacher was the same range for the 305s. And, but then you had some of the guys like uh, Josh Riggins who told me 1200. Yeah, Rodney Droud told me back in the day, he was asked one time by a sponsor, what does it cost you to get to the racetrack, get your guys in, and the race is over, you drive home. And he said he back then it was 1000 to $1,200 is what his guess was for a 360. Yeah. And so to me, that's a lot of fans, I don't think grasp the concept that these guys are out there, not really for fun, but it's not a money-making deal. And I, I think that's the thing that always gets me is, you know, like I have the payouts. So me and Brandon were looking this up for the show. Knoxville 305s pay $650 to win. Eagles 700. Houston 700. Denison lowered theirs to 500. Because mm-hmm. they weren't getting cars. Because they, right, they weren't getting the cars. Um, but, I mean, your fuel bill, you think about the distance traveled to those events, if you take away Eagle, I mean... It's Tyler, outrageous. Tyler Drucky responded on our the podcast Facebook, and he said Stewart races for three hundred dollars, 
and they get 15 cars. But there, and if, if you're going to drive that from Lincoln, it would sometimes geez. racers are their own worst enemy, though. They, yeah. they want, I, and they should. I mean, don't get me wrong, they should be racing for more money. You should not be racing $700 to win. Yeah. You shouldn't be racing for $300 to win. So don't freaking go. Yeah, so but, his but that's the thing. They, they're, they're, they're still going to show they're up. They're paying $300 to win. They get 15 cars. So why would the guy, yeah. why would the track owner go, well, shoot, I'm going to pay 1000 next week? Yeah. I just, I mean, like Tyler Drukey wrote in to me, he said his 410 motor for 20 shows is 600 bucks just to run his motor. Um, I mean, that's, it's just unreal to what see. Does he, what does he mean there? So he broke it down. Um, he actually wrote down his refreshes are like five thousand dollars. So he broke down kind of what his cost is, and I think it was like twenty two hundred dollars to run the four ten. Oh, okay, twelve twelve thousand for a fresh, and with twenty mo, that's six hundred dollars a night for a fresh tires. Yeah, so I mean yeah. it. It it all adds up. I mean, really, at the end of the day, see it, his his price is sixteen sixteen hundred dollars. I I believe that. I would say I would believe fifteen to two fifteen hundred to two thousand for a four ten. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, especially from him home from Eagle up to Houston. Yeah. So I and mean, to Knoxville yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. But then I, one guy I was waiting to hear back from, and he he got back to me today was JJ Riggins because I wanted to know back when he raced what things cost. You know, so he gave me a nineteen eighty four. It paid seven hundred fifty dollars to win for the first three weeks. Fourth week paid a thousand. And then it would drop back down. Oh, to so you're making more money back in '84. I guess that inflation rate doesn't come out to paychecks, <laughs> does it? Yeah, I mean it, it's nuts. I mean he's like he goes, you know, we raced for seven hundred dollars now, and we raced for seven hundred and fifty, you know, 1984. But he goes, you look at it too. Pit passes to get in back then were five dollars. Yeah. Now they're thirty dollars. Um, another example, fifty to sixty if you're out in California. Yeah. Another example he gave was a helmet. If you buy an FX1 helmet. Back then was five hundred bucks. Now it's fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. He said to buy a three layer suit, four hundred bucks. Now for just a two layer is seventeen hundred. He goes, the list keeps going on of what what all has gone up since then, and the payouts have gotten lower. And the the fields of cars are stronger than ever, clear across the United States. Yeah, I mean, so. but I, that has a lot to do, I think, with the fan base. I mean, you have kids growing up in the lower levels, learning it, moving up and, and trying out these levels back then. I don't think anybody would ever thought they could afford to do any of this. I think nowadays it's more feasible. Like I pay for my daughter when she did competitive cheer. I mean, her final season was close to eight grand. I mean, the joke was that my wife, I was like, I could buy my son a cage cart. He could go run a full season and I could run probably three seasons by the time I pay for cheer for one year. So, I mean, sports for kids, I mean, has gone up. Whereas racing, you know, if you buy the initial investment, you know, it's just the weekly pay, what you got to do to fix or clean or hope they don't wreck it type thing. But, well, I wouldn't want to spend the money to do it, but I'm glad there's a lot of people that do because it gives us something to watch and talk about. True. But, uh, yeah, I, without sponsors, I don't know how anybody does this. Uh, it just, I mean, I know how much I may, how much money I make enough. If I had to add the, the expense of a of a sprint car in there, I I, I just don't know how they do it. But uh, props to those that do because we need them so we can uh, enjoy the hobby that we love. Yeah, then you have Adam Gillian who runs two cars, and he was like, you just double everything. I mean, the nice thing is you pay to race his second car. You get like 20 shows, and I can't remember what he said the price was. But, you know, but what you pay for it, 
you just pay to race it. You don't even take the winnings home. Like he, he pockets whatever it is, yeah. you know, at the end of the day to help pay for everything. So, but I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's something that I'm glad I don't have to deal with because, well, I don't have the extra funds to go fund a race car. But uh, hats off to the guys that, that can do it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, we should be racing for well, money. And yeah. what limited knowledge us three have, it's, it's just a limited, drop in the bucket. Mean, uh, no knowledge. Just a drop in the bucket of what the actual expenses are of, of everything costs money. And everything costs more money today than it did three years ago, two years ago. So um, the, everybody's budget, that, well, look at diesel, it's five fifty a gallon, $5 a gallon. Uh, just a, a, a couple years ago, it was $2.5 a gallon. So your, your fuel prices doubled. And so... But, uh, yeah, again, I don't know how people that own race cars uh, afford to do it, but I'm glad they do because it gives us entertainment. I agree with that. All right. That being said, uh, let's take another break, and we'll come back with Dustin. Hello, and welcome to the Amazing Pizza Machine, Omaha's award-winning play and buffet experience. With over 60,000 square feet of indoor food and fun. First, feast your eyes on this. Our amazing buffet is packed full of delicious choices and is super convenient for families, groups, and folks of all ages. Yes, pizza is our middle name, but our unlimited buffet has so much more. And for the 21 and older club, we serve beer and wine available by the glass. Our amazing arcade is one of the largest in the Midwest and is something for all ages, with over 170 of the latest and greatest video and arcade games, as well as rides and attractions. Voted Omaha's best family entertainment center and best place for birthday parties, the amazing pizza machine is the perfect destination for any celebration, and we hope to see you soon. Join Stars photographer BA and Off Ice official Gene Cotter for Thunderstruck, the unofficial Lincoln Stars podcast. Where we talk with your favorite Lincoln Stars players, coaches, and alumni. Oh, it was a great night, yeah. Beat, beat them in their own rink just before the buzzer. It was something special for sure. I don't, I don't want to call it a surprise because I knew that there was uh, a great rich history for hockey here in Lincoln, but uh, I was I was really happy to see the fans come back in droves and, and be such a great supporter for us. I might have to throw my roommate on the bus. Uh-oh. I think Sato doesn't have the best tape jobs. He actually just spray-painted all his sticks white um, on the bottom of them. I think uh, he's copying some some NHL or he's looking up to, but I don't know. I think it's dusty. I think a lot of guys think it's sick, though. <laughs> to let him in penalty minutes, back before they handed out those little 10-minute wussy misconducts on everything, with 265, <laughs> Thunderstruck the podcast all season long, right here on the Anchor app or wherever you find your favorite podcast. This is the Dump and Chase podcast. We're trying to model ourselves after what you guys have done a little bit. Voice of the Phantoms and friend of the show, Mr. Matt Lipsack. I, I am along for the ride and perhaps provide some modicum of adult supervision here, although really that's a lost cause at this point. We welcome back Phantoms president Andrew Goldman. It yeah. went smoother than it did with Matt. I want that <laughs> added. To the, I want that added. <laughs> shaking your head now for i'm agreeing with you because oh. he has absolutely killed us this year well so far finger guns has meant sam shut up so yeah that's that's not helping i'm trying to process okay check out the dump and chase podcast every wednesday on western reserve radio youtube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts listen that like was frightening 
All right, welcome back to Quick Time the Podcast. We are now joined on the phone with uh, one of the uh, voices of Flow Racing, as what I'll describe it now. As uh, I've been told on, on a little pre-race interview, uh, Dustin Jarrett has joined the program. Dustin, how's it going, man? How are you doing doing tonight? Well, oh. you, you know, guys, it turns out that when you when you don't have your phone on mute, it works a heck of a lot better. Imagine that. <laughs> when you do a podcast, it helps when we hit the record button. I've done that before. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I can't, hey guys, I can't tell you the number of times that I have uh, been calling a race uh, only to have someone come up to the booth and tell me, hey, you might want to flip the microphone on. Oh, yeah, that it does work out a little better that way whenever the mic is turned on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> See, I didn't know you were a tra- announcer. What tra- or what races have you done lately? Uh, I, uh, oh man, lately, uh, I do all of the Castrol Flow Racing Night in America events. Uh, I do for 12 years. I've done the, the two uh, biggies at Eldora, the Dream and the World 100. Um, the Gateway Dirt Nationals, the big indoor race in St. Louis every December, the Wild West Shootout uh, out in, uh, Air, well, it used to be in Arizona, and now it's at uh, Votto Speedway Park in New Mexico every winter. Yeah, so they, uh, I don't know, I'm, 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 like, I'm like a bad cold. They just keep coming back, I guess. <laughs> Josh, with all, with all the streaming you do, you haven't watched I the Castrol Flow Racing Night in America? Is Sprint Cars on that? No, it's Slate Models. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> Well, hey, now I did do I did do uh, Kyle Larson's uh, High Limit Series race too. So. Speaking of sprint cars, yeah, familiar. yeah, I did that at, uh, at at Lincoln Park. Talk about stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit. It's been quite a while since I did since I did a sprint car race. So, matter of fact, I don't want to get us down a rabbit hole here, but we're we're in a conference call about it uh, because with with my role at Flow, I'm also kind of um, not overseeing the event, but I'm you know connecting all the dots with with their people and our people and things like that, and so. Uh, Kyle and Brad Sweet and, and Kyle's manager and I were all on a conference call and, and uh, they were talking about announcers and everything. And Kyle goes, by the way, he said, uh, just how long has it been since you've called a sprint car race? I said, all right, all right, all right. Let's just pipe down here a little bit, guys. Okay. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you I'm did not, a good I'm not job. that far out of touch. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. So well, oh, go ahead, Brad. Well, I was just going to say, let's just dive right into the meat of the, the this whole topic uh the reason one of the reasons we were interested in having you come on is because streaming is bad for racing yeah, is what i would have heard on facebook streaming is bad oh. for racing so <laughs> i mean if it's if it's on facebook it's got to be true yeah, right that's what they say <laughs> so so we want you uh, we, we we just want to try to hopefully ask some good questions to kind of um put put the information out there that's actually legitimate because all these fans think that flow is getting rich off of this and the tracks are getting nothing and the drivers and teams are getting nothing so <laughs> can you kind of shed a little bit of light on how the the money and you don't have to be specific on amounts but how you everything gets divvied up and so try to keep everybody a little bit happy when these broadcasts are, are sent out Sure. You know, the, the easiest place to probably start is, is an area that I think everybody can agree on. And, and that is that the, the streaming world and, and more specifically the streaming world within racing um, has probably evolved faster than I'm going to say anything has evolved in racing in, in the last 40 years. And, and I think that's something we can all agree on. And I say that because, um, look, you look back 12 years ago, right? And, and we were, we were still doing audio broadcasts of races. And that's crazy to think about, you know, like who, who is sitting around a computer listening to myself and Michael to Spain 
do an audio broadcast for me. They race one course. This guy yeah, right for here. Some reason, yeah, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Two there, of there the were three of there, us. There were a bunch of you crazies out there that were willing to do that. And and so um and, and so then um you know we we start doing these live video broadcasts right and and that was um not easy. It, obviously to pull off it's never easy to pull off but it was easier in a sense that hey man wow we're doing we're doing two or three races a year it's it's going to be x number of dollars to buy the broadcast we will split whatever it is at the track you know that 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 we get with the racetracks and everybody's happy um and and so as that evolves right you you the fans um start saying man i, I really wish that, that i could watch all of these races for just one price you know we, we've all said that i said that myself right mm-hmm. oh, uh, man, yeah. I, I don't want i don't want to pay 29.99 every single time i want to watch a race it would be great if you just pay a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars a year and, and watch it all um the the downside of that is then the the tracks lose out a little bit on that profit sharing side of things and so racing quickly evolved then to um the easiest way to compare it and this isn't guys this isn't a great comparison by any stretch of the imagination but but maybe the 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 cleanest comparison is is something just somewhat similar to a rights contract with you know major league baseball or the nfl or you know pick any sport right so uh a a television company comes in and says yeah we want the we want the broadcast rights fox sports comes in valley sports we want the broadcast rights for the st louis cardinals for the next three years they pay the st louis cardinals x amount of money for the broadcast rights Valley Sports, Fox Sports is happy, right? Because they get to broadcast the games. The Cardinals are happy because they've just signed a contract. They know exactly how much money they're getting right away. And they go and use that money for whatever they want. Racing is somewhat similar now in, in that sense, right? They, they, the, the stream, most of the streaming companies, and, and I don't want to put everyone under one blanket because certainly there are a lot of different variations of, of streaming companies out there. But Flow is a great example. They, there might be an event or a series or what have you that Flow is interested in, and they might make an offer. They might say, hey, you know what? We would love to, to be the broadcaster of um, the All-Star Sprints. Okay, we have the All-Star Sprints under contract. So we go to them and we say, guys, we would love to have the All-Star Sprints. This is our offer. You know, we, we, we will pay you X amount of dollars. And, of course, there's a lot of other things that go along with that as well. We'll, we'll pay you this and do A, B, C, D, and E for the broadcast race to the all-star sprints, the all-star sprints will look over that and they'll say, ah, you know what? That sounds like a good deal, but we really want, we really want this amount of money plus A, B, C, D, E and F it, it, you know, I don't know if all of this makes sense or not, but it, it's a negotiation process for streaming or broadcast rights, just like, or, or very similar, somewhat similar to what you would have again with baseball, football, etc. So it's something that's agreed upon by the two sides. And then, once we pay the all-star sprints X amount of dollars for their rights, that's their money. And they get to take that money and, and do with it what they want. And we've got a lot of really good partners that will take that money and inject that back into purses, into points funds, into paying racetracks to help offset the streaming. And again, that's, that's going to be a little different with every series, right? You know, the all-star sprints, for example, they might do something a little different than what the comp cams late model series does understandably so because they're working with a different clientele of purses and racetracks and marketing partners etc the comp cams late models they will do something a little different usac might do something different eldora speedway could do something different 
but that's kind of the the gist of of how it goes with that side. Whenever you have one company that is a flat rate, I think Flow now is I think about one hundred and fifty bucks a year. Don't don't call me. On it is that. it so is like, the best one hundred and fifty dollars yeah, a year no that joke. I will ever spend. Yes. Absolutely. You know that the one of the perks of working for him is I actually get a complimentary subscription, <laughs> so I don't. It's it's awful to say, but yeah, I was going to say I think it's one hundred and fifty. So you know that that's that side of it. Now that having been said, and I don't want to get us too far down a rabbit hole here either. But um, again, I, I can't stress enough: it's a negotiation process. If something doesn't work for a track or for a series or, or an event, um, they, they have the opportunity to go back and negotiate and say, hey, th- this doesn't work. Well, you know, we need a little more money or you know, we think that, that we should get this or we would like your help in, in doing that. Um, that situation is always open. And then that, that's kind of 1A. And then a 1B, a side off to that is that model also, I think it's important to know, that may not work for everyone. There's still some really good streaming companies out there that still do kind of that old school school pay-per-view model, right? Where, where you can buy one singular event for, you know, $29.99 or whatever it is, and then they still profit share with the racetrack. The, the upside, now I'll try that again. I'm trying to give you kind of the pluses and minuses of, of all of these here, not just the flow side, but the, the upside to something like that is um, they, they uh, get to profit share with the racetrack, right? Whether they split it 50-50 or 60-40 or whatever deal is they have worked out, they get to profit share with the racetrack. The downside to it is you may not know as a racetrack or, or whoever, you may not know exactly how much that's going to be. You're, you're kind of rolling the dice on how many folks are actually going to watch it. So if you have a night where there's a lot of other events going on or you know not a lot of people are home or whatever else, you might be planning on getting X amount of dollars, but instead not a lot of people watch. And so you get a little bit less than what you were thinking. Um, again, that's, that's the pluses and minuses and kind of a look at everything. I, I think the, the biggest takeaway from all of this is uh, a couple key points. Number one, again, it's negotiation that, that um, both sides work really, really hard on. Right. And, and I think that's something important to, to remember. Um, point number two is that um, once a series or track gets that money, that's up to them to use it how they want. Again, we've seen some really great things. The Eldora Million, for example, that would not be possible without streaming. There are a lot of drivers that really benefited from that. There's a lot of drivers and a lot of series that are really benefiting from streaming rights right now because these these series are getting more money than they've ever gotten. And so purses are higher, points funds are higher, contingencies are higher. So they're getting more than, than they've ever gotten. And, and then the third takeaway from this is there's not a coverall that's going to work for every series or track or sanctioning body or, or event or whatever else. What, you know, flow racing might be great for one, but in another sense, maybe, maybe speed sport is great for somebody. Maybe dirt vision is the way to go for someone else. And I think, I think those three points are probably the biggest takeaways from where we are with streaming and, and kind of how it's evolved. And, and I'll, I'll end this really long answer to your first question. I, w- I will end on, on this. Um, I will end on this, and, and that is that – I'm going to circle back to what I started with. This thing is ever-evolving, right? Uh, there is – I will be the first person to admit there is no perfect answer out there for anybody. Again, what works for one company or, or for one series or group may not work for another as well. So there's not a coverall that says that this is going to work for one racetrack versus one series versus one event. Bottom line is you're not keeping all the money for yourself, right? <laughs> you know, Wait, it, we get paid. We get paid to do this. <laughs> you know, it sounds like even when you're saying what you're talking about is that 
you give the money to the track and the track decides what it wants to do with it. I think a lot of people get the misconception that you guys tell them how they're supposed to spend their money. And that's not true. Yeah, no, no, that, that would, uh, look, when I was a kid now, when I was a kid, my grandma might give me a birthday card with a $20 bill in it. And she would tell me that I have to spend that on something that I wanted. Right. And so I would typically go out and buy a, something that I absolutely didn't need, like a video game. <laughs> but, uh, that but sounds, no, like, that sounds like us. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm speaking on behalf of all streaming, uh, you know, across the board. Right. But, uh, uh and, and again, I, I can't say that there may not be something baked into a contract, uh, here or there or with other companies or specific events or whatever else. But, uh, the majority of the time when, when someone buys the rights when someone buys the rights to again an event or a and what a, a series or a racetrack or or whatever um typically uh, it, it is free will for that racetrack or that series to do what they want with it and again it's i, I will never say 100 percent of the time but more times than not and again you see that purses are higher now than they've ever been points funds right now are high. Lucas Oil is paying, what, $200,000 for the champion or some, some ridiculous amount of money. This year might not be 200. It might be high. I think it's 150000 Tim McCready just got for winning the Lucas Oil Championship. That is, that's a ridiculous amount of money. We had, sit back and think about this, guys. We had a $1 million, $1 million to win their late model race this year. Um, the Wait, cost to get into that. Late, late model race? Sorry. <laughs> Joshua, really, when you try to be funny, it doesn't work so well. Really work. <laughs> there was, did you notice that slight delay there? It <laughs> was. It got quiet fast. <laughs> late, late model guys are making way more money than sprint cars. Way so more money. It, now, why is that? that late, why does late model have that much more, I guess, traction? You know, I mean, they, it seems like you hear more about late models than, than sprint cars, you know, probably I, 70% more. You know, I don't know. You figure that out. Um, let me know, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been trying to figure that one out myself. I, I, you know, I think there's a couple of different reasons, and, and this is this is all nothing more than speculation, right? I, I think uh, I think number one, um, the world of outlaws have a really great thing going on. I think that we can all agree to that, and, and they've got you know platinum agreements with drivers and, and everything else, and, and I think that can that can influence a few things here and there. And again, that's uh, look. You ask anybody in the world. It's a phenomenal series and a phenomenal points fund and, and purses and tracks they go to and everything else. So that's that's a great thing, and, and that makes it really hard um, for other series to compete. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. Uh, they've they've got a, a phenomenal product, and and they have uh, really really got a good grasp on the market. And so that uh, that makes it tough for someone else just to come in and and start throwing money around. Whereas on the late model side, we haven't really seen that so much, right? You know, Lucas Oil is is more than likely the um, the top late model series in the country, but in the same sense, they don't have any type of no competition clauses or platinum agreements or anything else, and and um, that has enabled uh, some other series to come in, some midweek stuff to come in. Of course, Eldora's two big events, the million dollar race, and and then the Dream, which paid a hundred. I don't even know this year, $128,000. And so I think that's, that's one big reason. And, and the other one is um, there's still, and, and this gap's closing quickly. There's still right now more late models in the country than, than 410 sprints, more for, specifically for wing, sure. wing 410 sprints. Right. And, and um, look, that, that late model market shrinking up though. Uh, I mean, let's, let's be, you know, let, let's be really clear about that. And that's not to say that the, 
the wing 410 market is suddenly growing or anything either but uh, but that late model market is shrinking up so there you know there's a few more there's a few more drivers and cars out there for that money to be spread around to also you know something me and brandon kind of kick kick back and forth every now and then when 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 the topic of streaming and stuff like that for track owners now is there any capability to Let's hypothetically say, let's say a race out at Eagle Raceway is happening, and and flow. One of my favorite, one of my favorite <laughs> tracks in the country, by the way. So, but the question is, is can you black out an area around the track? So then, basically, it kind of forces if you as a fan have to go to the races and not stream it. Sure, that's a that's a great question, and I will be very very transparent with you. I'm not sure that I'm the best qualified person to answer that. Um, I believe that opportunity is there on some platforms and in some situations. Um, but I, I, again, I just, I don't know that I'm the best person to answer that because I, I really and truly don't know uh, everything that has gone into. I know there's been, I do know there's been a lot of research done to show that blackouts really and truly don't work that well. Um, but again, I'm, I'm speaking a little bit out of turn because my my personal knowledge, there are, there are a lot more folks quali- more qualified than me to answer that. <laughs> well, that, that's one of the knocks on, on uh, streaming services is that I'm going to stay home and watch the race in my comfort of my own living room instead of drive 22 miles to I-80 Speedway and watch the race live. I can honestly, and maybe I'm in the minority, but I can honestly say I have never stayed home to watch a race on TV as opposed to being there live. Now, what Flow does for me, I get to watch a Pennsylvania race or a California race, something that I would never get to see without Flow. So um, I, I may, like I said, maybe I'm in the minority, but uh, I have never stayed home from a race just because I could watch it on TV instead of being in live. I, I would, I would rather take it in live. Yeah. We froze day. our butts off at 80 when we could have stayed home <laughs> and watch. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think I know. And, and I think that you guys bring up a good point there. Um, you know, there, I think that we can really and truly pick any sport in the world. Right. Um, I, I think we can go from baseball to food to the major ones, baseball, football, basketball, whatever, and, and say the same thing. Folks are not, folks are not, if, if you have an opportunity to go watch your favorite team play baseball, right. You're, you're going to go watch them play, you know, and, and that's a special moment. Right. Um, I think you can also go to even a few more um, obscure sports, so to speak. I don't know if that's the right word I'm, I'm looking for. Um, un- underappreciated sports or, or sports that were underappreciated. Look at, look at um, like Nebraska oh, oh. football. Look at <laughs> your your words, not mine. <laughs> I'm not Brad's. <laughs> but I mean, you, you know, you look at look at something like pro bowl riding um, or UFC, for example, arena cross. Um, those are all sports right there. That I mean, it, selling out. All of those are selling out. You can't get tickets for them. Uh, why is that? Uh, because those events are all being shown live on on linear television. Now they started streaming. And they've, they've kind of graduated up to linear TV. So why are those events still selling out? Um, part of me uh, really, truly thinks it's because of the product they're putting on. You know, you, 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 have a, you have a baseball team that people want to go see. They're going to come out and see it. You, you put on an event that people want to see. They're, they're going to come out and see it. See, but I'm the opposite of Brad. Like, I will sit in my basement, which... It helps having three TVs to watch as many races as I want. But I also, but I'm the type of person that I have horrible allergies that, you know, yes, I'm in the sport. I do, I wrap race cars, I design race cars, but, you know, I can't enjoy the next day. I'm, 
laying down on the couch because my nose is running and you know, I feel horrible. I mean, but I can sit down here. My, my kids can come down and watch, do whatever they want. And you know, they're not freezing their butt off outside or sweating their butt off. I mean, to me, the, the advantage of flow and the thing I like about it the best is it seems like you guys cover a lot of events. I really want to see, like, it sounds like you guys had the chili bowl all the nights, as opposed to having Mav TV take over the final, you know, three races, but things like that. I mean, it's neat to show my kids, you know, Hey, here's, here's micros down in Tulsa, you know, and stuff like that. So to me, I, I totally, your product is spot on for someone like me. Well, I, number one, I appreciate hearing that. Thank you. And, and number two, I think that for, you know, for, for every instance that you hear of, you know, someone saying, oh man, streaming, streaming is, is really keeping people at home. Um, there's usually four or five other promoters out there saying, holy cow, like you wouldn't believe the number of people that came to my racetrack today or came up to me and said, yeah, you know, we drove all the way here from, from wherever. Cause we watched you on flow. Great example. I was at, uh, we had our Castrol flow racing night in America show at Fairbury, Illinois, um, uh, September, uh, a couple days after the world 100. And, uh, this is honest goodness truth. I had a couple, uh, come up to me in the pits and, uh, they said, you know, Dustin, you know, you, you don't know us, but we know you We're so-and-so and, and we were here from North Carolina. We drove 11 and a half hours one way because of all the coverage you guys have given Fairbury Speedway. We've watched so many events from there on Flow Racing that this was my birthday present. My wife got it for me, and we drove 11 and a half hours up here one way, you know, just to watch this race. And I thought, man, that's really cool, you know. And, and so, uh, but there's, I mean, there's thousands of examples like that all across the board, right? Not just at Fairbury and, and not even just at Flow. You know, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that the other streaming companies out there, like the Dirt Visions of the World and, and everyone else, probably have a lot of examples that are exactly the same way. And again, look Look at, look at the world of outlaw sprint cars. Um, who is not going to a world of outlaw sprint car race, right? Who is not going to a Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series race? Right. Those races are those races are packed every single time that uh, every single time that, that they're in town. Yeah, but then you have the ASCS, who you look at the stands and it looks bare. It's three sixties. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, it, the, the interest in three sixties isn't close to the interest of four tens and. And the product of ASCS National Tour, they don't, they don't have the the, the, the names the, the names to, to bring fans in. So you it just don't you just don't see it. But you look at it, yeah. look at the fields in Pennsylvania. Those guys, almost every track is completely full yeah, on, a, on a weekly show. Like Lincoln, Lincoln always looks packed. Yeah, yeah. every night, every night it goes on. To to go off of your previous point there about uh, that, those fans that drove up from North Carolina. Um, I know my, I have a bucket list of tracks to go to. And because of all the streaming services that show races at Port Royal Speedway in Pennsylvania, that is, <laughs> that is my, one of my top five tracks that I've got to get to because, uh, what we, what I've seen on, on, uh, streaming services, I, that's a track that I would really want to go see. It's, it's gorgeous, man. I, uh, I don't want to get this too far down the, you know, down the road here with Port Royal, but I mean, Steve O'Neill, who's the promoter there and the fair board, just phenomenal people. I'm, I'm proud to know Steve and a lot of the staff there personally. Port is, uh, Port's kind of a home game for me. It's about four hours uh, east of where I live. So I, I don't get to go more than about once a year or so, but I mean, just a, a gorgeous setting, uh, you know, nestled kind of in the mountains there. It's another one of those places where you got the town that really kind of comes out and supports the racetrack really, really well. And, uh, you know, that's, that's another one you talked about Lincoln ports, another one as well. But I mean, people have, have watched it on flow and they want to get to Marshalltown, Iowa. 
Um, the country has fallen in love with IMCA stock cars. And, and a huge reason for that is because of Marshalltown, Iowa. You know, you guys know that if you go to I-80 or, or to uh, Eagle or yeah. Beatrice or any place like that. I, IMCA stocks and, and mods and stuff, man, it, it does not get any better than that. But so many people, Jerry Van Sickle and, and Toby Cruz out there at Marshalltown, I, I talk to those guys um, very, very frequently. It, 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 Jerry and I talk at, at least once or twice a week. And, and the number of people, same thing, number of people that have come to Marshalltown, just like you said about Port Royal, Marshalltown has become a bucket list track for so many people now. And, and a, you know, that, that's not all because of flow, but I think a really, really big reason that, and those guys believe it too, is because of the, the coverage and, and um, but just eyes that they have had from folks that have been watching at home that live, again, that live six, eight, 10, 12 hours away, you know, it's unreal. Cool. Yeah. And even for me, like when I used to go to Knoxville, I used to go every year for the nationals and I, and the guys give me grief all the time. Cause I like Freddie Raymer. It's nice. I can watch him. I don't have to go to Pennsylvania or just, you know, see highlights. I can actually watch the races, watch him race, you know, and, and be excited for it. I mean, it allows you to root for people that are not in your local area to actually, you know, follow and see how they're doing. Oh, absolutely. It is. You know, the, the other thing that the streaming has done as well, and, and I kind of call this the Kyle Larson effect, it's, uh, it's really brought together, I think, a lot of folks from a lot of different disciplines, right? You've, you've got late model fans now that are watching sprint cars. You've got sprint car fans that are watching big block modified. You've got big block modified fans that are watching IMCA stock cars, you know? And, and uh, again, look, we'd, be, we'd, we'd all be silly to say that, that streaming has done all that. Again, I, I, I call it the Larson effect. You know, when, when Larson had his stuff out a couple of years ago and he started racing anything that he could race on dirt. I think that that, I think that had probably just as much to do with it as anything But streaming is just to your point. Streaming has really helped as well. Bring people in to really keep a close eye on a other disciplines of racing. Like we just said that, that maybe they, they wouldn't have previously watched, whether it's wing four tens or late models or IMCA stocks or whatever, but B also to your point, it, it has really brought to the spotlight some racetracks that maybe normally would not have been brought to the spotlight, you know? And, and I think that's the really cool thing about it also. So Dustin, I want to circle back to the kind of, kind of the beginning of, of the, of the rights packages and whatnot. Um, one of the biggest complaints I've seen on, once again, it's on Facebook, so you got to believe it, um, is you have track owners that bring in a series. Let's say they're bringing in, um, the USAC national sprint cars. Sure. Um, they're complaining that they're not getting a cut of, of the streaming services, but wouldn't that be on, on USAC and, uh, and then to divvy up how they, they sold their rights to you guys. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, again, every situation is going to be a little different, right? Um, you know, whether it's, it's USAC all stars or, or anybody, I mean, again, you can pick out any, any of the, um, series that we have rights to, whether it's comp cams, late models, or uh, Brett Deo's short track super series with big block modified. Um, you know, those, those folks, uh, if they so choose, uh, are more than happy to divvy up that money in any way that they want to. And then look, let's be really honest here too. I mean, if we're being very candid about stuff, first and foremost, these, these series promoters are working their asses off, right? I mean, they are, they are, look, there's, 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 <laughs> there's a lot of jobs in the world I don't want. Um, racing series promoter has got to be close to the top of the list because I don't <laughs> think those guys have any friends at all. You know, nobody's ever happy. Nobody's getting paid enough. And, you know, they, they pull the plug too early or they should have already canceled or whatever else. So first and foremost, those guys deserve a little bit uh, of that money. Right. But again, 
what they opt to do with that is is you know totally and completely up to them and 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 we've seen that in a lot of ways shapes and forms right some of them um are are going to put a little bit of that in their pocket and that is one million percent okay because again they were working their tails off they're going out there and, and beating the bush and busting their tails to get up and down the road and put these events on and work with the promoters and the fans and, and the drivers and everything else. So, uh, number one, they, they 100% absolutely have a right to, to put a little bit of that in their pocket. And, guys, if I'm being, again, very candid with you, we have some guys out there that will not do that. They want to turn right back around and give all of that back to, to the drivers or the tracks or, or whatever else. And, and I mean, kudos to them. I mean, that is um, unbelievably admirable. I think we can all agree to that. But, but again, getting back to your question, getting back to that first point, it, it is, it is entirely up to, to the series um, to, to decide how they want to divvy that up. And, and again, I can't stress enough that um, it, when you kind of, when you kind of, peel some of the layers back a little bit it's it's real easy to see that a lot of this is going right back to the drivers or even to the track it's going right back into the purses it's going right back into the points fund just again some of these are some of these track or some of these um series rather are using it to maybe offset some of the streaming it's it's very very much for the most part in the hands of of again the series or the track or whoever that rights fee lies with or that agreement lies with you mentioned the series promoter promoter there. I think that's one of the big things is with the, with like a track promoters. They they'll book a series, uh, whatever national series they want want, and they think their job is done. Okay, I booked these guys. The fans are going to come. I think the big <laughs> thing is that these track promoters still need to go out there and and promote the race. And if they don't have a full crowd, they don't have anybody to blame but themselves. Not because it's on streaming. No, and and you're exactly right, you know, and and there's there's a lot of layers that go with that as well. I mean, one of the big things that I think a lot of folks tend to forget is that um, we live in a very, very, very technologically driven age right now. Um, You know, the the days of, you know, when I was a kid, we used to, um, if the weather didn't look good, we'd be on our way to a racetrack, we'd stop by a payphone. (laughs) We'd put a quarter in the slot and call the racetrack and find out if they were still racing or not. Now, anybody that's a race fan probably has three, four, five, or more weather apps on their phone. So, a, uh, a I always say that a a forty percent chance of rain is about the worst forecast that a racetrack promoter can have. You know, because that's going to be something that, that keeps everybody away. And and again, I I think I'm probably saying something that we all we all can agree with here. The other thing is too, and and yeah, I'm not going to get us into a political debate here, but I think that we can all look at the economy right now and say that in a lot of a lot of places and a lot of areas and, and in a lot of of um, uh, economic regions that um, the economy is suffering. And, and when the economy suffers, uh, uh, even just a, a little bit, entertainment is always, always the very first thing that gets pulled out of someone's budget. It's not going to be groceries. It's not going to be sending the kids to school. It's not going to be Christmas presents, right? I mean, they're going to pull back on that, a little, that stuff a, a little bit, but entertainment is always the first thing that gets cut out of a budget. So I think there's there's a few other things that, that work against promoters out there too. But again, I'm I'm still a firm believer, not just in racing, but in any 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 type of entertainment or, or sport in general. When you have a product that people want to see, they're gonna come out and see it. I agree with you. I kind of changed directions here a little bit. Um, so you have a race uh, Friday night at pick a racetrack, Lincoln Speedway or whatever. What all goes into 
pulling that show off for the night. Uh, what kind of a crew do you have going? How many cameras? Uh, I'm sure the track size has something to do with it, but uh, can you be just give us a general idea of what it takes to put on a, a program at a racetrack on, a, on any given night? So how long how long do we have here? <laughs> you remember his first speech, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I will make I will make this one a lot shorter, um, and and I'll try to start from the beginning. So when flow streams an event. There are two different types of streams, okay? One is produced. That means we're the ones producing it. We actually physically send people out. We send cameras out. We send our own staff or or contracted staff out to do the event. The other is a feed. A feed simply means the track is the one doing it. The, the, The track has their own equipment. They have their own camera guy. They're doing the show, and all they're doing is they're piping a feed into into flow racing, right? Um, we are, gosh, um, we are probably right now, um, we're uh, well over half of our events are produced. Um, I, I, gosh, probably two-thirds or so um, of our events we actually produce ourselves. Uh, and, and then in terms of the crew that goes out, um, I hate to give you a great answer, but the truth of the matter is it's going to vary greatly from event to event, yeah, right? And, and, right? And that's that's not hard to see. Your, your World 100s and your Chili Bowls and your um, Castrol Flow Racing Night in Americas and your Kyle Larson High Limit Series, those are obviously going to be higher-end produced events, right, with multiple cameras, multiple producers, multiple announcers. Um, and it, it's a it's a very, very fine-tuned, well oiled machine that's not to say that that we hit the high note every single time because that would that would be a lie but i don't know that anybody is able to hit that high note every single time as well um there are others uh that that um uh, might just be a one-man camera and a, and a remote producer someone that's back in flow studios in austin or or maybe um uh, another location that is actually producing that event, maybe a couple other events remotely as well. So it it varies greatly. Um, you know, there's a few other pieces of the puzzle that go into that. Um, and again, it's not a perfect science by any by any stretch of the imagination. But you also try to take a look at things like um, what other events are going on. Is it, it you know a, a midweek race? on a Wednesday that's paying $22,000 to win is probably going to get a little more attention from production than a Saturday night show in the middle of summer. That is just a weekly race somewhere. Right. right. Um, and so you, you try to play that in, into consideration as well. Um, the, the truth of the matter is it's, it's just like, uh, it's just like anything else in the world. There is, there is number one, there is never a perfect solution. Number two, there is no way to ever make anybody happy. Uh, and, and number three, um, when you have that many events, um, there's also the probability that, that again, sometimes you, you may swing and you, and you might miss a little bit. Um, I'll be the first one to admit we're not perfect. Uh, we're, we're far from perfect, um, but we are perfectionists. And we're always trying to put out the very best product that we possibly can. We're always learning from our mistakes. We're always trying to work uh, work on things to make it better as well. I need to I need to share that answer with a lot of the hockey people I know. Um, recently, uh, <laughs> Flow Sports has, has purchased the rights to uh, broadcast the uh, the United States Hockey League, which is a junior yeah. hockey league here. And all I see on on Facebook, once again, Facebook. I can beat that with a dead horse. Yeah, there. Got, got, gotta be true. But, uh, but the, 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 your, your analogy between the uh, produced event and a, and, uh, and a feed. And I keep telling these people, they're like, Oh, flow sucks. Flow sucks. They can't get it right. I go, it's the feed that's going into flow. I mean, flow has nothing to do with it. They're just the distributor of that feed. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, that is, uh, I mean, it, I, I, 
to be very truthful, I can't put all the blame on those folks. I mean, it, it is it a feed? Is it coming from someone else? Yes. But, but in the same sense, at least on the racing side of things, um, we're to the point now where we've got the staffing. We're trying to work really hard with, with a lot of these folks that are sending us these feeds uh, to help try to make them better as well, because it's reflection on, on them and us. And, and more importantly, it's a partnership. You know, we, we, we want our fans to see the best possible image of a racetrack or an event they can possibly see. And if that's a feed, um, again, is there a chance for something to go wrong? Yes. But, uh, but we also want to be the best partners we can be and try to help them out as well, because we do want butts in the seats. We want people to go out and see them. And if, if a camera is dark, if, if the announcers are talking about one thing and the cameraman is, is showing something else, um, if the feed's cutting in and out, that's not a good reflection on the track and it's not a good reflection on us. And, and that means we're probably not being great partners as well. And so uh, that typically means a, a chat on Monday or Tuesday, the following week to see how we can help them or how we can work together to maybe make that product a little bit better for everybody. You know, something I really do like about Flow is that you guys seem to branch out into other things as far as um, when you go to the racing thing, it's not just covering the races. You have podcasts on there, video podcasts. Yeah, Josh wants you to purchase the rights to this podcast, by the way. (laughs) Brandon said we're pretty cheap. (laughs) But no, I I do like how I can, you know, it's, it's more of a, entertainment factor is I can watch the loud pedal podcast. I can, you know, see some of the documentaries you guys do something like that just to fill the time during the week that, you know, if I want to see something about racing, I can go on flow and just turn it on. Well, I appreciate that. And I, again, I'll be very candid with you guys that, that area is is an area that that extra content right that's an area that we've really put a lot of emphasis on here over the last um, probably 12 to 18 months and, and when i say emphasis um we've we put more resources into it and that's resources of time money and, and bodies uh, and, and again uh, just like everything else it's uh, is it perfect no is there room for improvement absolutely but i think we've made a lot of strides on that and and uh, again to be very very candid with you to to hear someone say that uh hear someone say that is noticed that makes me feel good because i know on the back end how many meetings we've been in and how much time and effort gets put into that kind of stuff and so to to know that that is noticed is appreciated because flow is um it's obviously very very well known for the live streaming right uh but uh, but that extra stuff the uh, you know check christner's comp cam's top five moments of the week or you know the loud pedal podcast or uh gosh one of my favorites is the flow racing 24 7 channel where there's nothing else on tv I pop it on or even put it on in my office while I'm, when I'm working during the day, I put it on flow racing 24 seven and they've got old USAC stuff and old Eldora stuff or you. They might have a theme week, or whatever else. That's cool. That's good stuff right there. And, and I mean, again, there's a lot of time and, and effort that goes into making, uh, making all that stuff possible for the fans at home. All right, Dustin, before we let you go, I got one more, one more question for you. Where do you see uh, the, the flow broadcast going in when you guys first started or when streaming first started, it was just a guy at a camera and you had an answer feed we're, yep. right now. We're at kind of the point where it's, <laughs> oh, it's almost like a TV production. I mean, you got infield reporters, you got multiple cameras. Where do you see your guys' production quality going to in the next couple of years? It is. And that's, uh, again, I, I appreciate you, uh, you noticing that. And I am, I am someone, um, 
that is, uh, for better or worse, involved in all aspects of it. My, my official title of Flow is Global Partnership, or for Flow Racing is Global Partnership Manager, which is, I really and truly think, a glorified term for a middleman. <laughs> just, uh, it, just, it just means that I, uh, I, I help connect. Uh, for, again, for, for lack of better terms, I, I, I work really hard to connect the appropriate people at Flow with the appropriate people um, with the series or venue or whatever to, to help make sure that the broadcast is successful. Um, but the other... 3% of my job is I'm going out and announcing um, several of these events throughout the year as well, 40 to 50 of, of our marquee events. And so I, I get to see it from, from all sides of things. Um, here's what I think you're going to see um, from flow in, in the future is, is a few different things. Um, number one, I, I think that you are going to see now that flow has over 2000 live races, that, that's a pretty hefty number, right? Um, going back to the conversation that we just had, uh, I really and truly think you're going to see, some more emphasis on the quality of those. And again, that's not to say that, that, that we have missed the mark on quality by any stretch of the imagination, but that's also not to say there hasn't been room for improvement as well. And I think everybody would agree with that. So I think, I think number one, you're going to see a little more emphasis on the quality of, of the product. Um, number two, I think that you're going to see uh, a little more content being added. Uh, just as we said, over the last 12 or 18 months, there's been a pretty strong emphasis put on that. And I believe that's going to continue in, in the future as well. Um, and then number three, uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking with, with really no inside knowledge on this kind of stuff. Um, but number three, I really and truly see flow over the next maybe three, four or five years. Um, becoming even more of, of kind of a hub for people to go kind of one place. And, and again, you guys touched on that when you talked about, man, I love going to flow because it's not just the racing, it's the podcast, it's the content, it's all of this stuff. Um, I personally, I, I would like to see that continue over the next several years as well. Um, whether it's more content, whether it's more results, whether it's statistics, again, I'm kind of spitballing here with you guys on the phone, but I, I think that, um, I really and truly think that that, that is, that is kind of the next, um, organic step for flow to take. You know, when you step back and look at it, um, I don't know that we need more races. There, there might be a few things here and there that are, that are kind of sexy that, that we will want to grab. There may be a, a few opportunities here and there that may, that we might um, feel as though are great fits for the platform, but focusing on that quality, um, continuing with that content and, and then um, rounding that out with a few other things to, again, kind of make it a one-stop or a hub for folks to go to. Uh, that, that's my, again, not a professional, that's a personal belief of mine that I think that's where you're going to see the, the company go over the next three, four or five years. Oh, I say I asked all my questions. <laughs> um, I do am happy though too because I do use Flow for uh, cheerleading. My daughter used to do competitive cheer, and when we went down to Florida for the summit, it was nice because I could let my mom have my you know have my password, watch you it. You can't do that. That's illegal, sir. Oh gosh, yeah. I'm to sorry. And watched you're you're going to you're gonna have to Venmo me $150 now. <laughs> but it allowed her to watch and not be at the event. So I mean, I think that that's the thing is that you know grandparents or things like that. I mean, like my nephew, he jokes that he could start watching some of his friends from high school that play football because you guys do you know smaller colleges and football yeah. and stuff like that. So that it seems like you guys cover. I hate to use this term, but you guys are kind of like the Walmart of racing or not <laughs> racing, but of sports. Cause you offer everything. Whereas like, you know, uh, dirt vision, it really only offers a selecting. They're kind of more like 
Target or you know some, <laughs> I don't know. That's a bad wow. analogy there. Wow. Right? <laughs> sure, but but you know, but but to your point though, there there's a home for all of that, right? There yes. is, you know, Dirt Dirt Vision again. I, I we're very good friends with those guys. You know, I, mean, I, I don't know if friendly rivals is the word you want to use or not, but I mean, we our our brass and their brass speak um, literally almost every single day. You know, and and so um, they they've got a great platform and and do great things with it, and they found a, a really good niche and market um, flow as a whole flow sports, right? They're the same thing. You know, they, they have got a, a very good niche um, that is really in the last few years really started to cross over as well. My wife is a varsity volleyball coach, so she loves watching flow volleyball. Um, my my family, I was a wrestler my entire life growing up. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. Uh, I was I was a person on a wrestling mat. Uh, <laughs> on the team. <laughs> you know, right? Obviously, yes, I was on a team. We'll put it that was a warm body. He was body. no Steve Kinzer in the wrestling ring. I was, that's right. That's a, that's a fact. I was a warm body on the mat. We'll put it that way on the team. But uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching flow wrestling sometimes as well. Or like you said, uh, I, I've always enjoyed kind of the, the grassroots uh, represented sports, you know, like some of the division, you know, division two and three footballs or some of the, you know, the glee acts, some of the conferences that maybe don't get the love. I love watching that kind of stuff. And so we're starting to see more and more of that crossover as well. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm tying this back to your last question, but I, I think maybe that's the, you know, that's also possibly part of the future. Maybe there's, maybe there's more opportunities to do a little more cross marketing, cross promotion between the, the different verticals that flow has, whether it's, it's, you know, football and, and basketball or whether it's racing and something else, or whether it's, it's wrestling and grappling and jujitsu or what have you, maybe there are more opportunities to do a little, little, a little more um, organic cross pollination with, with those different sports and verticals. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it's the, it's the best $150 you're going to spend all year long uh, with all the content you get off, off, off flow racing and flow sports all together. So Dustin, I want to thank you for jumping on with us. Uh, definitely a very well uh, insight into what goes on kind of behind the scenes and, uh, and like uh, the, the, uh, the rights packages that you guys offer. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk about it. And, and I'll wrap up just by, by mentioning one of the first things that I mentioned. And, and that is that um, there are a lot of opportunities out there for, for every series or promoter, or whatever else. Um, look them over. Take the time to, to you know, if, if, if you have an offer from anyone, look that over. It might work for you. It, it might not as well. And, and I think that's the biggest thing to keep in mind. There is, there is nobody uh, holding a gun to anybody's head saying, man, you got to sign this or you're done. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. take, like the, take the opportunity. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, take the time, you know, look, look over stuff. Um, if, if there's jargon in, in any contract you're presented, right. Get someone to look over it. It's, it's, it's just like, it's just like any other contract or legal agreement or anything else that, that you have. Um, and if something, if you are presented a contract or someone comes to you with an offer um, and, and, you know, maybe that doesn't fit you, um, speak up, you know, that again, there is no one saying that you have to accept that offer. Maybe you feel like streaming is, you know, would hurt, uh, would hurt your grandstand count. And you're like, yeah, you know what? This really isn't for me. That's okay too. That that's perfectly fine. Um, but again, you, you, you give folks, uh, you give folks a product that they want to see in person. And I'm a firm believer they're, that they're still going to come out and see it in person. Yeah, definitely. Uh, once again, thanks for jumping on. Uh, hopefully we can have you back on, you know, at some other time and, uh, See where uh, flow flow racing goes in here in the future. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. I appreciate everything you guys do as well. All yeah. right, thank you. All right, thanks thank a lot, you. Dustin. See it. All right, that was Dustin Jarrett with uh, Flow Sports. Uh, more importantly, Flow Racing. A lot of a lot of good insight there on 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 uh, what we don't see the the the. 
what's well, the word I'm looking for? The uh, the behind the scenes, the uh, the the negotiations that goes on to put put these races on. Well, I, I think he kind of confirmed what a lot of us know is Flo's not getting rich off of this. I mean, they're obviously making money, but the money that's going back to the series of the tracks. If the tracks or the series don't give it to the drivers, that's on them. That's, that's not yeah, on that's flow on the racing or yeah. dirt vision or whatever. And now we learned last episode from Brad Sweet that Dirt Vision gives each driver, each team, um, a platinum a, member team. Yeah, each platinum member team a bonus every race. So they're given back to the teams. Um, now with with what Dustin just said, they give money to the driver, or I'm sorry, the series or the track. And whoever has the, whoever has the contract. Yeah, right. and it's up to them to decide what they're going to do with their money. So it's on them. It's not on flow. And I do agree. If you have a product worth watching, fans are going to come out to your track and watch it. They're not going to um, stay home and, and watch it on flow instead of going to the track unless you're Josh over here. So Hey, come on. <laughs> he has allergies. Yeah, I do allergies. have allergies. Come on. All right. use Claritin. Before we wrap things up, Brad, you wanted to talk on the uh, the Rico and uh, Corey Day incident out there in California this past weekend. Yeah, I, I just uh, thought it was kind of funny, the, the double standard that's out there. Um, Rico clearly hit uh, Corey Day in the back going down the front stretch, hit him in the, in the tail tank, and then just plain old punted him going into one, um, sent Corey up the track and into the wall how Corey Day saved it and and managed to get second in that race is unbelievable. But but uh, it was hardly even spoken about on Twitter or social media. Uh, if that was Aaron Reitzel, uh, hell, I mean, hey, hey, everything. It's because the perception is Aaron's a dirty driver and well, Rico's not. Well, that's what I'm gonna. That's kind of the point that I was going to get to. Is is Rico's not a dirty driver, not known for a dirty driver. But he's no Freddie Ramsey. But if he, but if hey. he keeps, if he keeps doing that type of stuff, the perception's going to change. But uh, I just found it interesting how Reitzel can do that exact move and. Everybody will lose their shit on on social media, but Rico did it, and nobody hardly even mentioned it. Uh, um, so uh, it, it is a double standard, but I do think Reitzel's history has developed into that point, got him to where he is is criticized a lot for his driving, whereas Rico has been a pretty clean driver over his whole career. And um, but if it happens too many times, then maybe that uh, that perception will change as well. Rico's also a fan favorite most tracks he goes to. So I'm sure they're not going to talk bad about him. Whereas Aaron Reitzel, it seems like any track he goes to, you most hate know a guy at the race. Yeah, track. Yeah. You're, you're mad. He's, but there, he's but fun to watch because he will drive the shit out of that race car. Yeah. Well, and you just look at how they carry themselves. Uh, um, Aaron doesn't do a lot of social media posts. He doesn't, he doesn't promote himself out there. And I, I don't know how much he spent, how much time he spends with, with fans after the races. I, I don't go some talk to him, but uh, Rico's the opposite. He's on social media all the time. He tweets all the time. He's social, uh, um, Facebook's, uh, he's promoting himself. Um, so uh, uh, he's, he's a, a well-known commodity out there and people love the personality that he shows out there on, on all the social media platforms. Yeah, I mean, Rico is, he's a great promoter of himself. Um, you, in all honesty, when I stopped kind of watching racing for a little bit there, when... 17 plus years. 17, yeah, something like that. I didn't even know who he was, <laughs> but I knew of him because the name, and then you watch him race. I mean, he's a, he's a very good race car driver, um, but yeah, his promotion of himself, you can't see any race... He, ShopRico.com. <laughs> any race he goes to, it's like... 
you see the the fans with you know the mullet on or something like that, and it's because he a lot knows of fans how to have market naturally himself. grown mullets. By the way, what? So a lot of those fans have naturally grown mullets. By the way, well, <laughs> true, but <laughs> you know you only have one chance to make a first impression, and and there was a period where I was a fan of Rico. Um, at Knoxville, I went to his t-shirt trailer to buy a t-shirt, and he was sitting there eating his lunch, which I get that. But man, guys got to eat. It was it was like a burden for him to get up and sell me a twenty five dollar t shirt. He 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 ignored me for a while, and then he finally got up, and I said, "Can I get this shirt?" And and no. it was just there was no no communication. There was no acknowledgement. He gave me the shirt. I gave him my twenty five, and that will be the last t shirt I'll ever buy of Rico. Do you still have that t shirt? No, I do not. What? No. What happened to it? it just, I don't, I don't even know. But uh, um, so my impression of Rico is not going to be the same of a lot of fans because that one time um, it just it would put it left a sour taste in my mouth and I'm not going to buy another Rico shirt. You can say that about any. I mean, a lot of drivers that you just don't, most, most fans, you either like them or you don't like them. And it's always because of one event that happens that changes your mind on them. Definitely. So with that being said, uh, we don't care if you don't like us at all, but listen to the podcast and we'll see everybody next week. See you later.